0: You know, as the week progresses, it just seems like we come to know and love more and more of the people here. You know, there's a certain all oh, uh, anxiety, I guess you feel, when you come to a new place and you have these people, but you don't really know them. And then it's just so beautiful to see how God brings circumstances and people and lives together. And I feel like I've gotten to know, or we've gotten to know so many of you, and it's been a real blessing to us. So, tonight we're going to be talking about country living, a blessing to all. And instead of getting up here and just sharing another message, we thought it would be nice to have each of us in our family just share a little bit about how country living has come to be a blessing for us individually. That sound interesting? Because sometimes it's nice to hear different perspectives. And people like to hear the children's perspective especially, right? <laughs> so tonight we're just going to be sharing a little bit from our hearts and from our experience about what this country living lifestyle has meant to us and what it continues to mean as we grow closer to the Lord. I'd like to begin tonight just sharing with you from my experience you know it was difficult and you've heard as we've talked through some of the messages some of the things we face some of the trials and difficulties and as we came out I had been for so long in the busyness of society's expectations. And you know we don't realize that when we're in it. You know why? Because we're doing what everybody else is doing. It's not until God allows us to pull back. Have you ever wondered why Jesus' ministry was from the mountain to what? From the mountain to the multitude. And then where did he go? Back to the mountain. Back to the mountain. Did you know that that's what Enoch did? From the mountain to the multitude and back to the mountain. And it's interesting that all of God's great leaders have had that experience. And God has called each of us to that kind of experience if we want to be what we've been called to do, and that is be like John the Baptist. you know that that's God's last day people? That John the Baptist... Was a representative of God's last day people? Did John have a mountain to the multitude experience? Absolutely. And so as we began to come out into our country living experience, I was trying to think, how could I express some things that are very difficult to express to people? How do you put in words? You know when we have people come and visit our home, and we do have families that come in as a part of the ministry and and uh, they'll come and spend a weekend with us in our home. It's easy then to express country living. Do you know why? They see it. They taste it. They hear it. They see the beauty that is around us, and it's easy for people to say, Ah, now I understand country living. Now I see what you mean when you say that there's a difference between living a city lifestyle in a country setting and living a country lifestyle in a country setting. But you know, it's sometimes hard to do that from a pulpit and express this. But I want to just share a little bit tonight, for my part of this message, a little story that happened very shortly after we came to Montana, after we found ourselves there. I had my chainsaw, and I was out cutting some wood on our property, clearing the ground and taking care of some things that that needed to be for the, the building project. And I was out there cutting and I can't say that that's something that I had been doing in my previous work at the hospital on a daily basis. So I felt myself tiring out. And so I turned the chainsaw off and I sat down there. It had snowed very lightly. And I sat down there in the snow. The chainsaw was off. And everything was quiet. And as I was sitting there, suddenly I started hearing this strange sound, a sound that I had never heard before. And it went like this. I said, what is that? I could hear it. It seemed like it was all around me. And it seemed like it was getting louder and I didn't know what was happening. And so I I started tuning my ears to, What is this? And suddenly I looked down at my coat, and it was snowflakes hitting my coat. (laughs) And I said, Lord, oh Lord, I've never heard quietness like this before. I never knew that there was a sound of snowflakes hitting a coat. Why, friends? Because I had never been in that kind of quietness before. And just as I was sitting there awed by this thought, I heard this. Whoosh, whoosh, whoosh. What do you suppose that was? <laughs> A raven was flying overhead. And as I looked up and I, I watched the wings, and I could hear the. Whoosh, And I just laid back in the snow and I talked to God like I'd never talked to God before. You know, nature is one of the ways that God wants to reach through to us. But friends, I never understood that before. I didn't know that that's how nature could get through to me about God and how God wanted to speak to me personally. And friends, I give you that simple illustration because... We aren't going to come to know God the way He wants us to know Him in the busyness that we find our lives in today. And you folks are experiencing that busyness here. I've only been here a few days, but I know the experience. And you know, we laugh because we know so well what we're talking about. But friends, God has a reason why He has called us to country living. And I say, country living, it's not just calling us to live in the country. He's calling us to country living. He's calling us to an experience that will slow our lives down enough, quiet us down enough from the self that clamors, quiet us enough that he can begin to tell us what his plans are for us. So that he can begin to show us the self in us. And you know, I sat down and I wrote my mother a letter. You see, my mother, and I'll never be able to experience what a mother experiences, but I understand something of the draw from a father's heart. When we left our suburban setting where we lived a couple of miles from my parents, do you think there was a tug on my mother's heart as we drove away? Yes, there was. And there was that yearning in her heart as... 1,800 miles separated us. And in every phone call I could hear it, even though she was brave. In every letter there was a taste of it. But you know, I wrote and I shared this little, simple experience with my mother about the snowflakes and the quietness. And I told her that as I contemplated what God was trying to bring us to see, as I sat there that day with the snowflakes falling on my jacket... I said, Lord, we're really here. This is real. We're really here. We're not going to go back to it again. You know, I found myself, without even realizing it, still in the pace of my mind, at being speeded up. And I found myself sitting there that day, realizing that this was not vacation. This was a new life. And I was not going back to the other life again. And friends, I don't know if any of you understand it the way that I've tasted it. I hope that some of you have. But if you haven't, God wants to bring you to that experience. God wants to bring us to the point where we can be still and know that He is God in our lives. Do you know that we cannot bring people any higher than the experience God brings us to, friends? You can give them the natural remedies. We can give them our doctrines. And you've heard me say this before. But brothers and sisters, I didn't understand the words that I'm saying until God quieted me down enough. Do you know how long it took Moses to quiet down, friends? Forty years. Do you know why? Because Moses was so good Moses was so powerful. Moses was so talented. And there are people here <clears throat> that are sitting here tonight that are very, very talented people. And you know, we don't even know ourselves, friends. And that's what God wants to bring us to. My mother wrote me back a letter after she received my letter. And she, she said, Thomas, She only calls me Thomas when there's something serious. (laughs) She said, Thomas, you will never hear me complain again about the distance that separates us. You will never hear a murmur from my lips, nor will you ever sense in me the pain of separation because now I understand something more about why God led you to that place. Just in that simple letter, friends, there was something that I was able to communicate to my mother that was deeper than the words that were put on that paper. But you know, friends, today I just had a very simple illustration of why country living has been such a blessing to me. You see, today... I went through a situation with one of my children where I had to make another decision like I've had to make thousands of times, whether I'm going to deal with the real issue with my child or whether I'm going to allow the circumstances of this situation. We're here doing meetings, right? Whether I'm going to allow the pressures and the circumstances to put my child aside and you know what God told me to do, friends? And this is part of why country living, true country living, is so vital for us in this, these last days. We need to be able to hear what God's telling us to do. We need to know the voice of our shepherd, brothers and sisters, and I'm not talking about fanaticism and voices in the room. I'm talking about knowing the voice of our shepherd. And if we don't come to know it, we will take up the voice of a stranger. It talks about it in John 10. The whole chapter. But I knew what the shepherd was telling me today and I knew what self and the devil was telling me in the other ear. Don't have time for it. You've got other people you've got to meet with. Brothers and sisters, the devil will have distraction after distraction and argument after argument to keep us from Doing what God is calling us to do with our own children. And friends, I did not turn away from that call from God because I have learned that one of the greatest blessings in country living is coming to know the true characters of my own children. Coming to recognize the weaknesses in their characters, reflected many times from the weakness of whose? My character. And my wife's character. And God has shown us over and over that we need to take time to invest the time in our young ones if we ever expect them to be in the kingdom of God. I did not turn away from the call to my heart today, friends. I could have. I have before. But one of the things that God has helped me the blessing to see in country living is that that is my first work. There are many of you out here today who have children and grandchildren and you would say that you want to see them in the kingdom of God, would you not? You would say that there's nothing more important to you, but brothers and sisters, I know that many of you here today are not practicing what you preach with your lips. And I don't say that to be hard on you, but you have been consumed by other people's agendas. You have been consumed by other people's problems. And one of the blessings of country living, if we come to know why God leads us to it, is that we see that this is our mission field. It isn't just saying this is our mission field, it is our mission field. And if I walk away from the problem that I had to face today with my child, I have no business coming into the pulpit tonight and talking to you. I have no business being here. But that didn't happen by accident, friends. Do you know that it's so much easier to do a grander, what appears to be a grander work out there? Do you get more applause and more pats on the back for going out and giving, giving lectures and seminars and doing treatments on people? Oh, yes. Do you get any pats on the back for arduously taking the time if it takes two hours to work with the self in me and the self in my child until God has gained the complete victory. You get many pats on the back for that, friends? And those of you that are grandparents here, are you working with your children and your grandchildren in such a way that you're encouraging that process? Or are we so consumed with everything out there that we don't have time. You see, the blessing of country living for me has not just been to see myself. and oh, it's painful to see self, friends. It's painful. It makes you want to run back and give Bible studies. And don't take that wrong. Don't, Please don't misunderstand me. But it's easier to go out and bake a loaf of bread for your neighbor if you're in an argument with your husband than it is to deal with the work that lies nearest in the death of self with that situation. It's easier to walk out of the house, husbands. It's easier to walk out of the house because you don't want to face the conflict between yourself and your wife or your children. It's easier to walk out of the house and go give a Bible study with a smile on your face when that's not what your wife saw when you walked out the door because it's easier to do that work than it is to do the work that God is calling us to in our own homes. The blessing of country living has been for me to come to know my own wife like I've never known the marriage relationship before. To work through, do you know what it means to be used to being used to of being out of the home for eight hours a day in your typical job and then to come home in the country living setting that God brought us to and spend hours of the day with your wife in the first part of that experience, you find out that you aren't the person you thought you were when you have to have so much time together. It isn't the same. And self wants to run from that. But the blessing of country living is that God hasn't let us run from that, friends. Because we've said, whatever it costs, Lord, We made a commitment to God. We'll go wherever you want us to go. We'll let go of whatever you ask us to let go of. We'll do anything you ask us to do if we can hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. The companionship that I have with my children, I wouldn't trade for anything. My children know that they can come and talk to me about anything, anytime. Do you know some of you may think that your children will do that, but have they been doing that? Or have you found out at 15 or 16 years old that they're not going to do it anymore and they're going to somebody else down the street to talk? I wouldn't trade that, but it didn't happen by accident, friends. The blessing of country living for me has, has been to take time to take my children and their interest into my own experience. To take time to push myself away from my desk, away from the correspondence, away from the telephone calls, away from writing messages to give to people at seminars and go for a quiet walk in the mountains and just talk with my daughter, to just talk with my son. Does it take time? Does it sound like it would be something good to do? But does it cost what appears to be a sacrifice? It may not appear that way in a meeting like we're sitting in tonight, but I'll tell you there have been many times that I could have been at my desk all day long if God hadn't called me away to the needs of my children. And days turn into weeks and weeks into months, and our children look for other companions, friends who have other ideas that they put into their minds, ideas that change them by beholding, and they become corrupted. Yes, even in a place like this, it happens. It happens. You know, the greatest blessing in this experience has been the peace of knowing that I'm doing the first work of evangelism in my own home. I have a clear conscience about that. Do you know I used to feel guilty about it at first? Why would I feel guilty about that? You know, I even had people tell me, you're selfish. You're self-centered. How could anybody say that? Well, because I wasn't now personal ministries director. Because I wasn't now leading out an in-gathering. Is that because I disagreed with that, friends? No. But because God was calling me to the first work in my own home, but I had to push away some of those guilt symptoms to say no to the nominating committee, to say no to some of those social engagements, I had to say no. God began to help me to realize I had to say no to those competitive sports, every one of them. Was it a sacrifice? Not really not for what I found in the peace of knowing I was doing the honest work of evangelism in my own home and family. That's the blessing of country living, friends. And I can tell you of many blessings of the simple things of life. The, the blessing of looking forward to going home on Sunday morning and getting back into the routine of splitting wood for our wood cook stove every morning at 7.30. The blessing of going home and knowing that I can get back into that quiet time with God and nothing against the fact that there are trains going by every couple of hours here, but it's not quiet. it's It's not restful. I look forward to going back from the multitude back to the mountain for the quietness. I've been able to have two or two and a half hours of quietness with God in the morning to really hear what He has for me for the day. Because, friends, it's one thing to say, I consecrate myself to you. It's another to consecrate ourselves to Him. It's one thing to say, I lay all my plans at your feet. It's another to truly do it and let Him direct us through the day without saying, oh, don't interfere with that plan today. Friends, I look forward to some of those things back there in the mountain because they bring blessings with that communion with God. I look forward to being able to get back and have the special quiet time I have with my wife every day. I haven't been able to have it every day here. I don't bemoan that, but I'm looking forward to going back and having it. I want that communication with my wife. We need that for our marriage. We need that time together. I'm looking forward to going back and being able to dedicate the evening hours as I'm told that I should do by inspiration. The evening hours should be dedicated to the family. Why would God take the time to instruct us in that inspiration? Because He knows what keeps families together under His guidance. I look forward to that. I look forward to going back and having the evening hours dedicated to my family because I know the fruit that results from that kind of time with my children and my wife. There are blessings in country living. I'd like Elaine to come up and share with you her perspective on the blessings of country living. I could talk to you for the rest of the evening. We could, But I need to give my whole family a chance to share some of their blessings of country living.
1: Well, you know, as Tom was sharing with you, it was touching my heart because I know the blessings that I have received and the changes I've seen in my husband in the country as well as the changes the Lord is doing in my own life. And I thought of this scripture. These are the words of Jesus found in the 13th chapter of John, verse 17. If ye know these things, he says. What's the rest of the verse?
2: Happy
1: Happy are ye if ye do them. That's what I was thinking about. One little thing so simple as where God wants us to live. One little uh, tool in the hand of God for our <laughs> salvation. And if we know these things, we're told, Happy are ye if you do them, in, as with all other principles that God has given, in us, given us in his word. And that's what I thought of. Tonight, I want to share with you simply four areas that is country living has been a blessing to me that has brought me the happiness that I haven't experienced before. The first thing that Tom also shared with you was that of the quiet time in the morning. I can't express to you the quietness that we had, and I know he tried to do that, but there's not just the sound and the quietness of the sound, although I love the birds in the country especially in the winter. And I've come to know that they have songs for every season and times of the day and I always know when we're getting fair weather and spring is coming because the entire flock of birds, whatever type they are, change their tunes. And I love it. I love to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and listen to the birds singing in the summer. In the winter, the birds sing a little bit later in the morning, and I am awake before they are. But I enjoy that and the crackling of the wood cook stove because I study upstairs in our home, often at the kitchen table or at my desk, and my children study upstairs, and I am in their presence. They are in my presence. We're all quiet. We're studying, we're listening to the wood stove crackling in the background. And there's just a real peace and bonding there. And sometimes I'll get up from my study and I'll go look over the shoulder of one of my children to see what they're reading or talk to them for a moment. Then I'll come back to my desk and I'll look out the window. And you would have to look out our windows to know how beautiful it is. And I'll just be contemplating what it was that I've been studying for the morning. And praying that God would help me to understand it so simply that I can help my youngest child, who is now nine, but for many years my youngest child, who was three months old when we moved, all the way up until this age, to understand the Bible Mm -hmm. in personal application. And I can't tell you how many times the Lord has helped this simple mind of mine to be able to take a Bible story and to practicalize it for my understanding that I can share it with my children and to make it fun. Amen. I hope none of you will miss Sabbath morning Sabbath school, a family Sabbath school. We're just going to share one of the, those little precious experiences that we've ex- had in our home. When I have sat there very quietly reading meditating, praying, contemplating, looking at the Word, looking at the second book of God in nature, and having God impress my mind how I can take this lesson and make it interesting, fun, exciting in our home for our children. It's been a tremendous blessing. The second area, I love the wholesome occupation Do you know that in our suburban setting, other than the daily duties of the home, there wasn't a lot I could have my children do? There are so many things my children can do in uh, in wholesome occupation that we don't have time to do them all. In the winter, we get to shovel the driveway, and Daddy's now built a a plow for the front of our old wood hauling truck. We call her Betsy, and we we all, five of us, get out there, and we turn it and lift it because it's all made of wood, and it kind of pushes right in front of the truck, and it's quite heavy. And we all work as a family to get the plow on, but, you know, the plow only does the main part, and there's still some hand shoveling, and often that shoveling turns into removing the snow to an area the children would like to make snow caves. And it makes it fun for them, building up the snow banks, making snow tunnels. Or here they are, mother and dad with the shovels and the children with the sleds. We load the sleds and they sit on top of the snow and go down the hill and dump it. And we just have a good time in wholesome occupation. Wood gathering, gardening. Carving out flower gardens out of a very uh, rough woods, our, gra- our ground is 75% gravel, and it is a challenge to do gardening in that climate as well as that kind of soil. And I can remember one day, we had, the girls and Josiah and I had just planted, I don't know, maybe a 100 bulbs to come up in the spring. We just put them all over in these little flower gardens. We had been pulling out these, these wild growing uh, bushes and, and shrubs and plants and grasses to try to get rid of all that and bring, haul in soil and put rocks around it to hold it in. And we got all done. We worked really hard that day. And I said, all right, children, what would you like to do? And the two girls said, we want to go plant some more flower gardens after we just spent the last three or four hours planning, making flower gardens. They had such a good time, so much wholesome occupation, canning, uh, learning how to work with fruit trees in a very harsh climate is a challenge. Enjoying the wildlife that comes. The third area is the simplicity of the life. Many people have not understood how we have simplified our lives when we have left our power, many appliances, conveniences, and all the other things society says make our lives simpler that in reality complicate them tremendously. We We do have power. My husband reminded me. I mean, when we first moved out, we did not have conventional power, we only had. Uh, Power. when we turned the generator on, we'd store a little bit of that power. So we ran 12-volt lights. And it wasn't uncommon the first few years we were there that in the evening, those long winter evenings that I particularly enjoy, that we either had our family time by candlelight or kerosene lamp. And it just made it, I, I call it a cozy feeling. We still enjoy that, those long winter evenings, even though we have... Uh, a little bit uh, more updated power system. We have more power we can pull in. We have regular lights and, and electrical outlets that will work when you plug something in now. Um, it's just really a blessing to sit there in the evening because in as far north as we live, the sun sets about 4.30 in the winter. And there we can just enjoy one another Sitting on the couches, reading a story. Maybe the girls and I are sewing as Father reads, or maybe we're talking about some of our plans for the summer. You know, in the winter, we're making summer plans. In the summer, we're looking forward to the winter things and making those plans. And it's just really been a blessing to me the simplicity of the life. Not that it's easy, but that it's enjoyable Amen. because it keeps us together, it helps us enjoy things that are simple in God's way and not so many complex things that man has created. I also enjoy the picnics, the spontaneous picnics that we have. We have now in our backyard, if you've seen our picture album, a little pond. And it's not uncommon that about 2.30, mother or one of the children or father sometimes will say, let's have a picnic today. And all we have to do is to take the food we were going to eat at, our three o'clock meal and take it outside and sit around the pond and eat it. And it's so relaxing. Before, it was a major ordeal to have to get everything ready and try to drive to a place that was picturesque and quiet to have a picnic. It became, you know, a very um, difficult, or maybe not so difficult, but wasn't simple. I mean, we could walk out of our house and sit in our backyard. And really, if you're in the, the suburban setting, you can enjoy some of those things too. But it's especially nice when it's very, very quiet around you and you don't hear all the things of the city life. The campfires that sometimes the children will go and they'll clear out a piece of the acreage, you know. They've made a, uh, a nature garden first started to be a moss garden they would haul moss from the creek over to this other area and they soon found out that moss needs a lot of water to grow well. And they took it from the creek area and took it to a different part of our property that's extremely dry and before long all those little moss uh, sections dried up and died. And we help them to understand why that was. but So they've turned it into a nature garden. And they have carved out little trails and rocked them. And when we find things in the, on our walks in nature, oftentimes we'll take them out and they will put them in their nature garden. And we'll have to go hunt them up broken or chewed off deer antlers and special rocks or special pieces of bark or an interesting piece of wood that we found on a walk or a hike and we bring it home and all through that little garden area and it still grows up with all the wild things in it but it's such so much fun and then sometimes they'll collect sticks and they'll say can we have a bonfire or a campfire tonight let's just have worship outside so we, they've rocked all in the area and they've cleared some of the sticks off the property and they've piled them in a little pile and we'll just have worship outside and visit. It's, it's so much fun, friends. The bike rides. I remember one recently that we had that my daughter Allison particularly wanted to do, but all of the children were really looking forward to it because we heard that above, up above our home, we have a special Tin Lake scenic area, it's called, and many people go up there for vacations and camping and things like that. It's such a beautiful area. And that's just up around the other side of the mountain from our house, about 20, 25 miles. And so we had heard that um, there, the snow that falls in the mountains there had melted off all through that area with the exception of about a half mile to a mile stretch on the road. So the only way you could get into that scenic area was to either hike in over the snow because it was still too deep for the, even the four wheel drives to go up, or push your bicycle through the snow and then on the other side all of that road through the mountains was dry. And that in the springtime is perfect bear season. That's when they come out of hibernation and they're coming into those slides on the hillside foraging for food and there's a couple areas up there that are specifically designated for bear watch areas so we decided we as a family had a little get-together and the children really wanted to do it we knew that if we waited one more week with that warm weather the man we had met on a hike said if you wait more than a week all that snow will be melted off enough that people are going to be driving in there and you won't experience the quiet now there were lots of things for mother and father to do Father was getting ready to go overseas for a week to do meetings. You think he felt like he had an extra day's worth of time? But as we talked about it and as as we saw the enthusiasm of the children and as the Lord spoke to our hearts, we said, let's do it. Let's take it. We'll go tomorrow or we'll go on a couple of days after breakfast. And that's what we did. We hauled our bicycles up in the truck and... Enough snow had melted. We only had to walk about a quarter of a mile over a snow field, pushing bicycles through thick, sloshy snow. wasn't too easy. We got on the other side, and for seven or eight miles, we just rode through the mountains on the roads, and we never saw a bear, but we weren't disappointed a bit. But God gave us something we weren't looking for. We came around one corner, and a moose came up over the bank and ran right down the road in front of us for, I don't know, maybe 100 feet or so and then went up into the, off into the brush. And we just had a good time being together. And the children were so happy that we took just a few hours out of our day to do something that was very meaningful to them. Those are the simplicity things of the country that have been such a blessing to me. And the last area I would like to share is the time that it has brought me to address the real needs of my own life. If you really want to see what your real self is like, slow down from the busyness of your life that God can have a chance to work, to show you your true character. I have seen more need of a Savior in the last several years in the country than I had in my entire life before that. Because I just, my mind was so occupied and busy and thinking and planning and organizing that I didn't really have time to see what I was really like. And I love the time with my children and my husband. I see their needs, the things that make them happy, their strengths. And I see their weaknesses. And the Lord is teaching me how to work with those things for His benefit, for my benefit, for your benefit, all to the glory of God. The time, I wouldn't trade it for anything. The hardships, the difficulties in facing self, I wouldn't trade it for anything. Because I have seen that as I have been willing to learn to surrender self to the Lord, and see how he can work through me when I'm willing. I see the difference in my children. I see them come through difficult circumstances. Things that are hard for them. You know the children's trials for them are just as hard as our trials are we're told. They seem so petty and so insignificant to us. Because we have such more grand trials as we view them. But for their ages their trials are just as difficult the Lord's trying to help me to see that that principle, that I need to be sensitive to my children's needs and their trials. And when we work through a situation that is difficult or hard for them or hard for me or hard for both of us or all of us as we're working through it, to see the response from my children, when they can come and they can hug me and say, Mother, thank you. Thank you because I am so happy. So much happier now. I am free from that irritable spirit. I'm free from the selfishness. I'm free from the slothfulness or whatever it is they're struggling with. That is one of the blessings that we have received in the country.
3: Amen.
1: That I know, for me, I would not have seen if we would have continued living the way we were living prior to this drastic change in our lives. And I praise the Lord for that. And I know He's got a greater work to do in our lives, in your lives, because He wants us fully, completely restored in His image.
0: Okay, Josiah wanted to share what's been a blessing to him in the country. Can we get you wired up here? Where's mine?
3: Ask daddy. Daddy, where's my. Oh, here it is.
0: He's looking for his notes here, you see. He likes
1: to write on yellow paper like his father, and I like white paper. So his paper looked like father's.
0: Want me to stay up here with you? If you want to.
3: (laughs) Well, one of the things in the country I really enjoy about wildlife. Is wild is wildlife. <laughs> I lost saying. It's
0: all right. It's all right. You want to share with them about the uh, feeding of the deer? How often do we get deer come to our place? Is it all year long or just every
3: day in the winter time? We get deer and we get to feed them out of our hands and then sometimes when. We go on a walk; they follow us. That's right. Now and I like that.
0: Now, did did when we moved to Montana, did the deer just uh, come up and uh, start eating out of our hands? <laughs>
3: no, we had to train them.
0: That's right. How did we do that?
3: Well, we worked by at first they um, were coming, and then so we thought, I wonder what they eat, and so we th- started throwing things out to them, and they came and started eating and then we kept working on from them from there on and then finally they got to the point where they were getting brave and they would come up and they would sniff and then they would finally eat <laughs>
0: now can can we actually uh, get the deer to come to us when they're a long ways away
3: yes we get to we call them and then they come out of the mountains we can he- we can watch them come running down out of the mountains and it's really fun to see that, too. How do you call
0: them? Tell them how you call them. Get, call a couple of them. <laughs>
3: um,
0: <laughs> just like you would there.
3: Nicholas, Abigail, any of those kind of deer. And and we just <laughs> kind of um, call really loud because a lot of times they don't hear us. <laughs> <laughs> but they do have a good sense of hearing.
0: That's right. So
1: every
3: deer is. Sorry, yes. All the deer are named, and aren't they? We know them apart.
0: Now do, do we have like a hundred of them, or how many do we have?
3: Well, we have about 11.
0: Okay. You want to tell them about that one? That there was one animal that we've lived there for nine years, and there was one animal
3: that is still lived there
0: that we hadn't had a chance to see. There was actually two, but I was thinking of one animal in particular
3: the wolf. And that wolf, we'd never seen a wolf around our place before. And then one time um, we looked up and I said, there's a dog. And Allison said, no, that's a wolf. (laughs) And then from then on it seemed to keep coming about once a week. And it was usually on Sabbath.
0: What did it look like?
3: It was a gray wolf, but it was black because it was in the uh, spring.
0: Yes. It was pretty unusual to see it alone, too, wasn't it?
3: Yes, it was a scout.
0: Okay. Well, is there anything else you want to share with them about uh, your blessings in the country?
3: Uh Uh-huh. Another thing I like in the country is that there's a lot of quiet time, and um, I like to have quiet time with God and not have all the noise that's in the city.
0: Have we noticed the difference being out on this trip, especially in some of the places we've gone as we've traveled? Yes. So what do you like about your quiet time?
3: Because there isn't all the city noise and cars going by and things and that you can talk to the Lord quietly and there's no other thing that's interrupting.
0: When you say you can talk to the Lord, do you think that that boys your age or girls your age should be able to hear what God is impressing on them to do? Yes. Is that possible?
3: Uh Uh-huh.
0: Yes, it is, isn't it? Do you have anything else that you want to share?
3: Sometimes I take morning walks and then you can have time to talk to God and you can also see the nature with that and it's really nice. Okay. And uh, one other thing is that um, since we've been in the country I've noticed that my mother and father have a lot of time with me even through my weaknesses and they spend time with me over anything else.
0: Okay. Well, that's, that's our first work, isn't it? Yes. Does it always feel good?
3: No. (laughs) Does it usually turn out good? Yes.
0: That's right. Okay. Who's going to come up next? Emily? I think they'd like to hear about your blessings in the country. Okay, Josiah, you can help me hook Emily up here. I'm sure this uh, will create some static noise on these uh, videos, but all right thank you Josiah I'll get Mm -hmm. that
3: one thing that I really enjoy about living in the country and I'm sure every other member member of my family does too is that we can spend time with our family and I especially like having our father home more than he used to be I like it when he and mother can play games with us that's really fun they, I've been noticing that they've been spending more time with us recently, and they like to involve themselves in the activities that we like to do. We like to play games with one another. We like to play games such as tag or duck-duck-goose or other outside games and also inside games, and that's really fun.
0: What kind of inside games, Emily?
3: Um, memory games or Bible games. or.
0: What's a memory game?
3: Like where you lay out all the cards upside down and then you pick up one and you try to remember where the other ones are. That's really fun. As my father was talking about when he heard the snowflakes hitting his coat and the bird, I've heard that too. And I've also heard little chipmunks' feet when they run across the deck. I like that. My sister and I like to um, put seed in our hands like bird seed or sunflower seeds and then... We like to lay down on the deck and the chipmunks come and eat out of our hands. That's really fun. My brother likes doing that too. We are told that when Jesus came to this earth, he had a secluded home in the Galilean hills and that he took the early morning hours to spend with his heavenly Father. So we're, that's his, his example is for us, so that means we're supposed to take the early morning hours to spend with our heavenly Father too and we should be willing to listen to his voice. Did you have a question? Yeah. <laughs> no, I haven't tried that.
0: <laughs> all right. Maybe maybe that's something you can try when you get back. Yes. The chipmunk, uh, the thin air trick. Okay. Now, Emily, can I ask you a question? Sure. Is that all right? Sure. Okay. What What do you do in your quiet time in the morning? What are you studying now?
3: Um. Right now, I was reading through, um, I was reading through life sketches and reading about Ellen White's life and usually I pick out a principle or two that I read during the morning and then I try to think about that through the day and apply that and sometimes I write down things that I read and then I put them up on the bulletin board or something for our family to remember, different principles and I also mark them in my book.
0: Now is it possible for, for you to, uh, to actually apply these principles through the day or is this just something that you memorize like you memorize a verse in the Bible and then that you can say it but doesn't change your life?
3: No, they can be applied through the day.
0: Can you think of anything that, that you've applied recently that you've read? Um, These oft- aren't in our notes, by the way. So
3: <laughs> Oftentimes I'll read the verse in the morning. Whatsoever thine hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. And so through the day I try to think about that verse and try to do things with all my might as unto the Lord.
0: Well, that's a good uh, practical illustration you think of anything you've done recently that you uh, didn't really feel like that you did as unto the Lord?
3: Um, When I was folding the clothes once I didn't get something folded neatly and I thought that nobody would notice and so I just was going to quickly put it away but then I had the thought to take it back out of the drawer and fold it neatly so I did that and I felt much more happy after that.
0: Amen. Anything else Emily you want to share? No. That kind of pulls you away from your notes here.
3: That's fine.
0: <laughs> okay, Allison. I know the story Allison's going to share. That's a that's a fun one. Okay, and you want to help me uh, wire Allison up? Right. Yes, it, it always helps after doing these kind of things. Uh, it's probably good for, for me to say or one of us to say that the things they're sharing with you are not things that we have pre-programmed them to share. <laughs> These are their particular thoughts and uh, the things that they wanted to share.
2: I never get tired of living in the country. That's something people have asked me more than on one occasion. Do you ever wish you could live in the city and be close to all your friends? And, um just live the kind of lifestyle, that's the city lifestyle? And my answer is always no, because that comes from my heart. I'd never want to have any other way. I've noticed that out in the country, I have a most, uh, more close relationship with God. It's easier to keep in communion. I'm not just talking about when you're having your study, personal study or anything like that, but all through the day, keeping a connection with Christ Amen. instead of... Um, I've noticed when we go to town or something, it's much harder. There's so many things that draw your mind off. But when you're out in the country, the things that are around you naturally draw you to God. Mm. One morning, it was Sabbath morning. This happened a few months ago. I was taking a walk, and I was having a really good time with the Lord. and I was going on this old trail, or it was kind of an old logging road that kind of turned into a trail, And all of a sudden I noticed 30 feet in front of me was a bear. And I'd always wanted to see a bear, or for a while I'd wanted to see a bear. And it was, like, stunning because finally I got my dream come true. You know, I was wondering what would ever happen if I saw a bear. You can always say, oh, I wouldn't be afraid, or I'd be horrified. Or, you know, you always know what you think you'd be like. (laughs) But when you see a bear, you really know what you're going to be like when you're all alone. And I was standing there, and... I experienced no fear, and I knew that God was with me, and he was just eating, and then he looked at me, and then I was able to watch him for about five minutes, and I'm still here. (laughs) He just meandered off into the woods, and then I went home and could hardly contain myself, waiting for Sabbath school to tell the story. And I was so excited, and the most important thing to me was that God was with me, and that's why I wasn't afraid because I can remember when I was in the city, I would scream if I saw Daddy Longleg. I mean, I would. I can remember running to the door, the back door, and banging on it and telling Mother, Let me in, and Daddy Longleg's chasing me. <laughs> and Mother reminded me, I was afraid of ants too, so I suppose I was afraid about every bug. But God has been working with me on. Um, Fear not being afraid of the dark, not being afraid of animals. I have no fear of that any longer. Trusting in God is something that can be applied to everything in our life, even through the trials that we have. We can learn to trust in God that He will carry us through and not have to go back to our own selfish way of doing things. And that lesson was brought to me through seeing the bear, knowing that I could put my dependency on God, even though that seemed like a big thing, even in the small things, it's easier to let ourselves go sometimes than when we really sense our need of God. Mm. If we don't, if we think that we're pretty good and we can do it in our own strength, we tend to um, let go of Christ. But when there's a bear in front of you, you tend to uh, make sure that you have a close relationship with God. <laughs> so that was an important lesson that I learned. Another thing that. I've noticed that since we've lived in the country, we have a lot of family time together. Our family does a lot of things together. And that's been a real joy in our home, to be able to work together in the gardens. I love gardening and canning. and um, As we help our parents with the work that is around our home, and in the evenings they have time to spend with us in enjoyable things, such as taking a walk together or a bike ride or just talking about whatever we want to talk about together. And that's been a real bonding of ourselves to our parents and the parents to us, and a bonding of our hearts to, to God.
0: Can I inject something sure. here? You know, parents, just a little thought here that has been so valuable to us. Our attitude, our enthusiasm, is what is depicted in our children. If they see us around the home... Working with a cheerful attitude, do you know they pick that up? If they see us enjoying the work that that we need to do, they enjoy the work. Our work in our home is cheerfully done. Does that mean we like everything we do? Well, there's things that I don't particularly like, but the Lord is showing us that our attitude pervades our children, and it comes back and reflects back and forth.
2: Sometimes we just go hiking together, or I really like biking, or canoeing. I love to canoe, and we have a lake about three miles away, and everything's just pretty much right out our back door. And that's been a real blessing to be able to have time with our family and a close relationship with Christ. And so I would never want it any other way.
0: (laughs) Well, in closing, I'd like my family to come up, and we'll sing a song taken from Isaiah... 40.11. Do you believe that promise? Shall we kneel together as we pray? Father in heaven, we know that your promises are never failing, and yet how weak and vacillating we are as a people. Lord, we thank you that you have promised to never leave us nor forsake us, Yet, Lord, we want to learn how to stop leaving you and forsaking you. As parents, we want to learn how to stop leaving and forsaking our children. And, Lord, we just ask that you will continue to impress upon our hearts the work that you're calling us to, that it's the highest work, that our marriages and our families can become a living testimony to the power of your gospel. That the people who come in contact with us wherever we might be would say, I want that kind of Savior. I want that kind of gospel. I want to know that kind of religion. Oh Lord, that our testimony would be a reflection of the loveliness and the character of Jesus by the decisions we continue to make. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse